I think one one good decision we took early on was that our first uh, hire was a recruiter. I heard a lot from other people that hey, there's going to be a lot to do, so you better have very good people around you to help you get to the finish line. We spent a lot of time in hiring, and how we actually started was that me, Haritha, my co-founder, and our recruiter sitting together, building out the profile, and then just reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Took a lot of selling. I think we sold more to hire people to Hatika than people to buy Hatika. At the same time, I think what we see, what we have prioritized from the beginning, is the mindset of being an owner, not a renter. I'm Naomi Chopra. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Hatika. This is Code Story. A podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Took six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what it to took do took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. I was proud of her team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, And today, how Nomi Chopra is aggregating activity from all your work apps to help boost developer productivity. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy-managed file transfer tools lack proper security, putting sensitive data at risk. With KiteWorks MFT, companies can send automated or ad hoc files in a fully integrated, highly secure manner. The solution is FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense and has been so since 2017. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. This episode is sponsored by ClearQuery. ClearQuery is the Analytics for Humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. With Ask ClearQuery, you can find valuable insights into your data using plain English. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify your data analytics with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash code story. Nami Chopra grew up in Delhi, India, but attended grad school in the U.S., specifically in Atlanta. He worked in the Valley for several companies, including Uber, but eventually left to start his own thing. But outside of tech, he enjoys spending time with family and friends and loves to play tennis, which he has been playing since he was young. He mostly plays doubles because there are more people and less courts these days. Nomi noticed that people were depending on dozens of SaaS tools to get their work done. He and his team started to ask the right questions around why don't we build something to collect the signals from these tools and present information to help drive velocity, alignment, and well-being. This is the creation story of Hatika. Hatika is basically an engineering management platform. It's a platform where what which provides a unified view to engineering leaders into how their teams work. So that essentially they can identify what's preventing the engineers from doing their best work and what's blocking them and what could they do to help them be more productive. Hatika would tell you as an engineering manager that your Android team 
is not able to complete sprints in time because they are waiting too long on code reviews or they're getting too much tech debt. So that's taking care of too much tech debt and bugs so they can't deliver features in time. Basically, the idea came from the fact that there were two big changes that took place that affected how we worked in the last few years. I think one was the more obvious one, which was that everyone was just distributed, right? They worked remotely because of the pandemic, right? So there was not people around you to see how they're doing. And at the same time, people also started using a lot of tools to get their work done. It's basically coined as a term called SaaS sprawl, where people depend on dozens of SaaS tools to get their work done. So both these things, essentially what they did was that they made your work more distributed, whether it was because you were in different regions or it was just that you're working on 20 different tools. What that resulted in was that it made the job of engineering managers a whole lot harder because the work was so distributed, they couldn't really understand. It was hard for them to keep in sync and they couldn't understand that how the engineers were doing. So they couldn't also make decisions as to what they could do to help unblock the engineers or help them work better. And then we saw that, hey, if engineers are working on these 20 tools, why not just connect with these tools, gather the signals, present it to the engineering managers and help them drive their decision-making process with that. Instead of pinging every engineer on Slack, asking them, what's up, what's happening, what can I do to help you? Instead of that, an EM would now use Hattica to get to know and just go, go ahead and figure out what they can do to help the engineers be better. Okay, let's dive into the MVP then. So that first version of Hattica that you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? We built our MVP in during the pandemic in 2020. It was me and my co-founder. It was just both of us. And I think we post our research phase, we took somewhere around four to five months to build our MVP. So essentially we signed up a couple of early adopters, I did a lot of interviews, showed them designs, showed them the way we were looking to approach to solve their problem. And it took us around four months to deliver our first MVP. To answer your second question, like what tools we use, so we essentially decided to play to our strengths. We just had enough to do that we just didn't want to learn another framework to get work done. Haritab and I basically used React.js and Node at, at Uber, which was our job before this. So we just used these two frameworks to build our app. Turned out that it was a good pick back then and it is today too. So our stack has actually remained the same. Let's dive into maybe, you know, a decision or two you had to make in that MVP, you know, around feature cut or tech debt acceptance or things like that, or even approach. Tell me about some of those you had to work through and how you cope with those decisions. Once the trade-off that we made was that we naturally focused more on the product and less on the onboarding experience, the education material that the users needed to use the product. We realized it later that it was actually very important because this product was a new category product and wasn't that easy to use, right? It wasn't a product that's something they had used and it was an improvement. We had to basically cope with that decision by essentially hand-holding all our new users. I think for the first 20 companies that we onboarded, we basically had to spend hours on Zoom, setting it up with them. We set up Slack channels with their 
uh, with their teams and would just spend most of the time in Slack channels helping users out in their journey. This episode is sponsored by Cashfly. The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where Cashfly comes in. Cashfly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, Cashfly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only Cashfly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at cashfly.com slash codestory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash codestory. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy managed file transfer tools are dated and lack the security that today's remote workforce demands. Companies that continue relying on outdated technology put their sensitive data at risk. And that's where KiteWorks comes in. KiteWorks MFT is absolutely the most secure MFT on the market today. It has been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. Through FedRAMP, KiteWorks level of security compliance provides a fast route to CMMC compliance, saving customers time, effort, and money. KiteWorks MFT makes it easy for users to send automated or ad hoc files via fully integrated shared folders and email. Administrators can manage policies in a unified console and create custom integrations using their API. Did we mention it's secure? The level of security with KiteWorks solution is rare to find. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's K-I-T-E-W-O-R-K-S dot com. So then you've got your MVP. It's working. You start to move forward. How have you progressed the product and matured it? And I think what I'm, what I'm curious about there is how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Hattica. So one thing we did, I think one year in, into Hattica was that we moved from these large, slow releases, large, major version releases that took us around four months to release a new version to basically a very faster iterative approach. We noticed that users were actually more forgiving than we thought if solved a large enough pain point for them. So instead of building out those perfect features, we started releasing beta features and were happy to see that users were very, very receptive didn't worry too much about their theme parks and helped us basically shape our roadmap as well. It's essentially now what how we release features is weekly sprints. Uh, we get something out, we make sure that we get something out at the end of each sprint. Two and a half years back, Harika was a single use case product, which is four metrics that you'd look at and would just work for you if you followed a very specific development process. Now we are evolved into, we've evolved into a full-fetched platform, something where you can build your own metrics, build your own dashboards. You decide what's important for you and you help your company and your managers adopt it. Essentially, that's where we are now. And, and the way we 
designer roadmap is essentially it's driven by customer conversations. It's not just about translating whatever the customer says into a feature, but essentially understanding, hey, where are you facing problems and how could Hataka be better, right? So something that we very recently noticed was that just everyone had an immediate wow factor when they started using Hataka, but when they started extracting value, that time took, that was a little too long especially for our uh, users who did not get white club onboarding. We huddled, got together and released a new version which basically helped reduce the time to value for users. So essentially, that's how we work. We also do sprint planning at two levels. Uh, one is we get our customer support and customer success team and our marketing team, our sales team, people who are closer to the customers than the engineers. First with the product managers and then product managers work with engineers to figure out what goes into the sprint and then we start that cycle again every week so i hear you saying we tell me about how you built your team and what do you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you i think one one good decision we took early on was that our first hire was a recruiter i heard a lot from other people that hey there's going to be a lot to do so you better have very good people around you to help you get to the finish line we spend a lot of time in hiring and how we actually started was that with our recruiter it was me Harita, my co-founder and our recruiter sitting together building out the profile and then just reaching out to people on linkedin took a lot of selling i think we sold more to hire people to harika than people to buy harika that's how we spent a lot of our time initially i think what we realized was that it was a good idea to hire generalists even though we were thinking that hey we should hire an expert for each work that we have and something that we were not expert expert at for example sales but i think we realized that generalists and people who are super fast learners turned out to be the best hires at the same time i think what we see what we have prioritized from the beginning is the mindset of being an owner not a renter so this essentially comes from uber it was a very important value to look at when we were hiring that people we hire were self-driven, were owners and just people who are fast learners and who would get things done with limited resources. So I think us being able to follow that helped us a lot. And naturally, such people tend to be ex-founders, founding team members and people who've been there, done that. And that's the kind of people we targeted. Hello, welcome to the Data Analytics Club. Do you know the password? No, I didn't know there was one. Do you know how to code? Uh, no. Do you know how to query data? Like, ask a question? I guess not. Hmm, I see. Then you can't be in this club. Sorry, goodbye. Don't be left out of the Analytics Club. ClearQuery is the Analytics for Humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. ClearQuery provides you with the information you need without requiring you to do the heavy lifting. Their Ask ClearQuery feature allows you to ask questions in plain English, helping you find relationships and connections in your data that may have previously gone unnoticed. You can even visualize your data with presentation mode, taking your data storytelling to the next level. Pricing is based on storage, not licenses, and that ensures that you get the most bang for your buck. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify data analytics, your data analytics, with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash codestory. This episode is sponsored by Cashfly. The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well... 
then you lose. But that's where Cashfly comes in. Cashfly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, Cashfly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only Cashfly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at cashfly.com slash codestory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash codestory. Okay, so let's talk about scalability. Given what you're what you're building, scalability will be important. Pulling in data from lots of different systems and presenting to a pretty opinionated group, uh, i.e., engineers. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or with scale in mind? Maybe like abstractions and things, or has there been any specific areas where you've had to fight it as you grow? One of the tenets of Harika was that you would help people base their decision on the full picture, right? So that you just do not look at GitHub Analytics and decide, hey, my engineers are not are not able to do a good job here and perhaps I should do something here. So we actually wanted them to get insights from all the tools, right? Because a particular engineer might be spending a lot of time in hiring for you, right? That's equally important. So that's why he couldn't code. So that's why from day one, we built Harika as a pluggable system. Today, it takes us around five days to ship a new integration to a new off-the-shelf product. So we did build it to scale from day one, but I think in hindsight, it wasn't a great decision because it did slow us down a lot. But on the flip side, today, product-wise, infrastructure-wise, Harika scales up beautifully. So that, that was that's the story on the product side, but on the team side, it's not the same though. I think it was completely the opposite. For us, building the product was faster, it was fast. We had a good team going on the engineering side. But when it comes to the team, I think that's where we dropped the ball. It is obvious, but we didn't expect that how slow hiring, the process of hiring would be. And also the fact that mistakes are expensive there. One wrong hire, you have to go through the process, see if they work out well. If not, then you have to go through the whole process again and it takes a lot of time. Product scaled up beautifully, but just the team size, this limitation on the team resources slowed us down a lot. As you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? What we've built makes a very significant impact and uh, a positive impact on our users. Essentially, what I mean by that is that just by using Harika in, in a week, teams are able to improve productivity metrics by over 5%, right? And it just helps them understand so immediately that there, there were some problems that they didn't see before and things that developers never told them because, you know, they were just so busy focusing on building and they were facing issues, but those issues never bubbled up to directors, VPs, CTOs. So I think that's what makes me proud of building something like Harika. But I think at the same time, I would say that the reason that it makes me so proud is also the fact that having a significant impact and a 
users getting a lot of value from from Attica is actually a combined effort for the whole team, right? So this is where it's not just you know the engineering team who build the product gets the credit, but also people like teams like customer success who help adopt this product with the users, our sales team who helps with the initial on onboarding. All of that, all of this comes together and is what basically makes me proud. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. But I think the one that comes up often is we basically from day one built Hatika to scale, right? Something that I just touched upon. So I think from day one we made it pluggable an infrastructure that would scale to a million users when we didn't even have ten, right? And I think. we wasted a lot of time there and it just slowed our progress and also took us slower to go to the market so i think if had we not made that decision i think we could have the metrics we have today the traction we have today we could have achieved it maybe 8 to 12 months before that would be the number one mistake we did so let's switch to future what does the future look like for the product and for your team So 2023 was a good year for Hatika. So we gained considerable traction. We shipped some big features, features that work. So I think we've uh, spent last two months essentially building a roadmap for 2024. We are working on uh, a complete revamp, something that is much easier to use but brings gives the same value to our users. Basically, a V3 of Hatika. We're also making it AI first. Very soon, you when you'd use Hatika, you wouldn't see a bunch of numbers, but you could actually chat to a, a chatbot and get insights as to what you could do to help your team do better. And we also just recently made an acquisition, which we'll announce soon. We are working on inducting that product into our offering, and yeah, so I think that's the future. At least that's what twenty twenty four looks like for Hatika. I think also on the team side, we also made the decision to to stay remote, uh, remote first. We of course started during the pandemic, so naturally, built were built as a remote company. But I think that has worked out well for us. So we decided to stay remote first, and would be expanding our engineering and sales team aggressively in the first two quarters. Let's switch to you, Naomi. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person, or many persons, or something you look up to, and why. So I think I've changed a lot the way I work when I had a job versus. when i'm a founder people who have influenced the most how i work today is essentially current and ex founders i made it a point early on to engage with a lot of ex founders a lot of current founders to basically learn and 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 specifically what i made it a point to reach out to ex founders i think it was a blog that i read by one of one of the vcs that basically said that hey we happily invest in founders who have failed and fail was in double quotes which i which i also believe that founders never fail so to speak i read that blog and it resonated with me that hey they've gone through the ups and downs struggled more than perhaps a successful founder so i reached out to a lot of ex founders and we built a community of sorts and i just learned a lot from them and they've perhaps influenced the most on how i work today Okay, we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Doesn't have to be something that, you know, didn't work. Could have even worked well, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit. 
what I would do differently would be that I would have hired experts a lot earlier. Uh, just the general wisdom was that hey, initially you should just get a lot of generalists, and we we listened to that. We got a lot of generalists, but but then but there are a lot of things that when you're going from zero to one, generalists work well. But I think post our one to ten journey, when you also start doing things like your post BMF, and you start closing a million dollar enterprise deal, right? That's something perhaps someone who's a journalist who never done this wouldn't be able to learn immediately. And it's those things often do not come by easily when you're in your early early days as a startup. So I think just having experts. I think perhaps is something I would have done differently, and would have done that early on. I think we just did it a little too late. Nomi, last question. So you're getting on a plane, and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world, and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that entrepreneur, having gone down this road a bit? I'd give the same advice that I got in a very similar setting. I think this was again on a plane, and I sat next to someone who was basically reading Peter Thiel's book, and I just started talking to him. And it turned out that he was a founder of a very big data infrastructure company. And yeah, and, and I asked him the same question, right? And I think I'd say the same thing. The biggest thing that that you can, the most important thing that you can invest your time in is building a great founding team. This journey is pretty difficult, especially early on, right? Especially the journey to product market fit. It, it's a difficult journey. You don't know if you're going to come out alive on the other end. And I think you could, if you could just have a very good founding team, a great co-founder. Of course, that's a start, but also a very good founding team can essentially help increase the chance of success, which anyways are very low, right? And at the same time, make that roller coaster ride a little easier. Couldn't agree more. That's fantastic advice. Well, Naomi, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Hattica. Thank you, Noah. It was a pleasure. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.